0: Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for Session 98 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. A few weeks ago on Session 92, you heard my conversation with Melissa Eiffel, who shared incredible information about living your life with a bipolar disorder. Well, this week, Melissa is back because she felt like there was something else she really wanted to make sure she shared, and that's tips for how to show up when you really just want to sit down.
1: We find ourselves in the same patterns over and over and over again when we have life lessons to learn that we haven't really mastered. And so if you're engaged in patterns, whether it's the people or the things or the outcomes, then it's a good sign for you to take a step back and to pay attention to what's happening around you.
0: But before we get into that conversation, I want to show some love to our sponsor for this episode, Naturalicious. Naturalicious is the world's first vegan, high-performance hair care line that delivers the results of 12 products in only three. It's designed to reduce time spent on hair care and is proven to save up to 80% of time on wash day. Naturalicious was founded by innovator Gwen Jameer, who is the first and only African-American woman to hold a patent on a natural hair care product. These products are great specifically for busy women with curly and coily hair, also known as 4C hair, and they are all natural. They are sulfate, paraben, mineral oil, petroleum, gluten, and cruelty-free. I've been using the products for a month now, and y'all, I don't think there's any going back for me. I've been using the products for my twist outs, and each time I wash, my hair has fewer tangles, takes less time for me to twist, and the moisture is off the charts. These really are clutch products for sisters who don't have a ton of time, but still want fabulous hair. So if you want to cut down on the amount of products you use and get some time back in your busy schedule, then I definitely recommend you try them. You can find the Naturalicious products in over 1,200 Sally stores nationwide, or you can buy them online at SaveTimeOnWashDay.com. Now let's get into our conversation with Melissa. As a reminder, Melissa Eiffel is a licensed clinical social worker in both New York and Maryland and has 20 years experience working with communities of color in various capacities. Melissa is passionate about her work with young adults, especially women of color with a history of trauma, and those who are in transition seeking to learn how to manage their emotions, have better relationships, and take their life to the next level. In this conversation, Melissa shares the four steps she uses with her clients to help them show up during the difficult times we all face, how you know when it's time to push through versus take a step back, and of course, she shared more of her favorite resources. While you're listening to the episode, make sure to let us know what you think by sharing your thoughts with us on social media using the hashtag #TBGInSession. Here's our conversation.
1: Thank you so much for joining us again today, Melissa. Oh, absolutely. You know, I told you I'm open to come back and I'll just bring myself back here whenever I feel like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> whenever you just want to chat about something else that you think is important. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm excited to have you back, Melissa. You know, we got great response. I'm sure that you have gotten lots of comments and messages after yes. your episode talking about life with a bipolar disorder. You know, it was a very hot topic and lots of people really appreciated what you had to share. And so I'm glad that you could join us again today to talk more about like how you continue to show up even when it feels very difficult.
1: Yeah. I found that in, you know, just personal experience in, in recent months and the work that I'm doing with my clients, that this is something that, you know, people really struggle with. And so I just thought that, you know, talking about it would be timely for a lot of things that I see happening with that population that I service.
0: Yeah. So can you talk to us more about like, where would you even start? You know, like, let's say somebody's struggling with something really big and they just, you know, don't even know, like, how do I even pull my life back together at this point? What kinds of things or where would they maybe even start with trying to, you know, put one foot in front of the other?
1: So you know, here's the thing. I actually came up with like a cute little acronym, or at least I think it's cute. Um,
0: Love a good acronym.
1: Yes. Love a good acronym. And it's PACT. P-A-C-T. So I like to think of it as like make a pact with yourself for your healing. Right. And so the first point is always to have a plan. You know, a lot of times we wait until something has happened in our life or until we're feeling a certain type of way to sort of like start thinking about, oh, like, what should I do here? But in the middle of a crisis or in the middle of having an emotional moment is not always the best time to sort of try and think about what you need to be doing to feel better. If you invest the time in just getting to know yourself on an everyday basis, right, knowing the things that, you know, bring you joy in life, knowing, you know, the things that are triggers for you, like knowing like the things that you respond best to. If you invest a lot of pre-work into um, developing your life that way, then it gives you the ability to develop a self-care plan that will really help you during tough times.
0: I'm really glad you said that, Melissa, because I do think a lot of time, you know, even there's the misconception that therapy is only for like the crisis times, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, when I hit red level red, then that's the time I need to call a therapist. And what you're really talking about is all of the things you could be doing ahead of a crisis to maybe even prevent a crisis from happening.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, what was interesting to me is is, is I recently read an article, and I I can't even really think about where I saw it, but it was talking about the fact that they did this study about people who had attempted suicide, and they interviewed them, and something like 50% of those people had no history of depression. They had no history of having a suicidal thought. It was just something that was impulsive because they were dealing with something in the moment, and they didn't know what to do. And so we tend to create plans, you know, when we have these past experiences, or if we feel like we anticipate that, you know, something might be happening, even if we have the wherewithal to do it then. But what we know as we get older is life will always be life. There will <laughs> be some difficult that will happen at some point in life. There is never this point that you get to where life is just going to coast. at least not for most of us. So to understand yourself and to, you know, be so connected with yourself that you know what your triggers are and you know what are the best like interventions or tools to use during certain moments is the best way to assist yourself in recovering when life shows up. Not if it shows up, but like when it shows up.
0: Okay. So you're encouraging people to go ahead and have a plan. And we talked, about this on the podcast before, like a self-care plan for how you're regularly taking care of yourself. And you're saying that that can be a really important part of helping you to manage any life stuff that will, of course, show up. Yes, absolutely. Got
1: you. Okay. So that's the P. Yes. Yes. That's the P. That's the P. Now the A is for acknowledge. The other thing that I know for most of us is we don't like to feel pain. You know, pain is that thing that, you know, everybody is trying to escape, feel like if we're hurting, then it's something wrong with us. But taking the time to acknowledge your pain and to really get curious about your pain and, you know, see it as a a clue for something that you really want to work on or shift or change gives you the opportunity to not try to push your feelings aside, but to do some work. Around what it is that is bothering you, and to develop a sense of self or a life path that will also prevent these things from happening again.
0: So, I have found in my work, Melissa, that that is really incredibly difficult for clients to do, like this whole idea of like sitting with the pain and getting curious, because that's not something that, you know, we're like typically taught and it feels very uncomfortable. So, how would you encourage people, like, what do they need to do to, to even start trying to sit with pain?
1: Oh, I think that's a good question. So I think getting comfortable with discomfort is the first thing that I always encourage people to do. So yes, sitting with pain is uncomfortable. It feels crappy. We want to push it aside. And I just think that from a societal perspective, we are well-trained to not want to be uncomfortable. But if you look at the pain from a perspective of this is telling me something, and you can see that, okay. If I can set aside time to engage in it, I mean, obviously, you don't want to sit in it all day, right? You don't want to constantly be in, you know, gauging with your pain point all day. But if you can set aside time and safe space to be able to engage in the feeling, then you can actually come out on the other side of it. See, what happens when we try to push off this feeling of pain is we often dull other emotions and we miss out on joy, you know, happiness, love, because those things require a certain amount of vulnerability that will bring you pain as well. So, the more you can practice getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, sometimes, then it'll give you the opportunity, like when you have difficult times to engage with your pain point, like even if it's for just short bursts of time throughout the course of a day or a week,
0: Yeah. And I often think about it, you know, like, let's say you get a headache, right? Like you might grab some Tylenol, but, you know, to make the pain go away, but you also want to examine like, okay, is there something that may be going on that is giving me that headache? You know, am I not drinking enough water? You know, like what kinds of things may be going on? And it feels like that could be similar for mental health, right? That you may use some of these coping strategies, right? To try to help minimize the pain, but you also want to sit with it to see, okay, where is this pain coming from?
1: Right, definitely. Because you might grab Tylenol or you might grab something for a headache, But, you know, if you're not paying attention to where the pain is actually coming from, maybe it's radiating down your neck or your arm, right? So it's the same sort of concept, absolutely. If you don't take the time to identify what it is that you're feeling, then you might be trying to like numb the feeling, but that's not actually the thing that you need to be paying attention to. I think the other piece of acknowledging how you feel as well, now that you bring that up, is that. We often label emotions based on the emotions that we're most familiar with. So if you tend to feel anger or you allow yourself to feel anger, or if that's the emotion that sort of bubbles up to the surface all the time, then you may label whatever you're experiencing as anger. And then you may address the situation as such. But if you really get curious as to why you're feeling what you're feeling, maybe it's not anger. You know, maybe it is disappointment, frustration. Sadness, heartbreak, loneliness. And if you don't get curious about that, like addressing being angry with someone is a different sort of conversation than addressing a loneliness or disappointment.
0: Mm, That's a really good point, Melissa. I mean, because that then of course leads you to have to maybe have some difficult conversations with people, or do you need to like look at your boundaries? You know, so I think it feels like acknowledging the pain feeds into lots of different areas.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So what is our C? So our C is compartmentalizing. Unfortunately, because we are adulting and because we are engaged in life and we have to do certain things throughout the course of our day to be able to pay our bills or, you know, just even feed ourselves, we can't engage in our pain everywhere and we can't engage in our pain with everyone. So you have to be able to know what are your safe spaces. So, you know, do you have the type of work environment that allows you to be emotional, that allows you to be transparent when you show up to work? Is your supervisor really accommodating for that? I mean, I'm the type of supervisor, I do have staff and, you know, like they have come to work and we have cried together, but then I've been in other work environments where because of the type of work that we were doing, we didn't really have that amount of flexibility. So you have to spend some time really thinking about the environments that you're in and how do you need to show up? So, you know, what that might mean is if you know that you need to reserve or have a certain amount of emotional energy to be in certain places and to show up as your best self, maybe you're not doing everything that you used to do before. If you're going through a difficult time and you may have had a day in the past where maybe you went to the gym, work, school, then hung out with a whole bunch of friends and you came home and you did homework. If you're going through a difficult time, you might not be able to keep that same schedule. You might have to shift how you spend your time to be able to deal emotionally with the challenges. It's the same thing with who you spend your time with. So the understanding safe spaces and safe people. We can't share all of you with everyone. We have friends who, you know, maybe we can be completely vulnerable and transparent with because we know that they show up for us in very specific ways and encourage us. But then we have other friends who we know that, okay, if I speak to her this way, she's going to respond to me in this way. And in this specific moment, I don't have the capacity for that. So you have to understand your environment and be able to develop ways to address your needs in different moments and with different people to keep yourself safe during these times.
0: So I'm glad to hear you say this, Melissa, because I know, of course, that compartmentalizing can be super helpful, right? Like that is a real, for real, like life skill, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to be able to know how to move in different spaces, and you know, what you can share with who and whatever. But I also think it is one of those things that, we kind of sometimes like overly rely on, and people mm-hmm. get really, really good at compartmentalizing and then you
1: see a whole host of other issues. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, so oftentimes people think about compartmentalizing and they stuff <laughs> right a real good job because they're stuffing their emotion away so this type of compartmentalizing isn't stuffing your emotional way. It's not saying, well, I'm just not going to deal with this thing because I need to be present in these places. It's saying that I understand that there are different places and times and people who I you know, can share with. So you're still making the choice to share. You're still getting curious about how you feel, right? You're still engaging in your self-care plan. You're not ignoring it. You know, you can't sex pain away. You can't drug pain away. You can't even be mad all day and then think that you're addressing your pain. So people think about compartmentalizing and they think that they're just like, stuffing their emotions into this nice little box and closing it up and just putting it on a shelf. That's not compartmentalizing. What that is, is you're essentially in denial and you're trying to ignore how you feel. So it's not that. We're talking about figuring out the places, spaces, and times to deal appropriately with how you feel so that you're actually working through your emotions in a safe environment. And you're not further damaging yourself during this time because if you're you know, putting yourself in a vulnerable position at work and like work isn't the best place to be vulnerable, then you might be creating other situations that, can just sort of exacerbate whatever challenges you're having.
0: Got you. I think that's such an important distinction. You know, so you're talking about like, okay, I'm going to wrap this up and put it in the closet until I come back home from work. Not I'm going to shove this all the way to the back of the closet until somebody finds this five years from now.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Or I'm like carrying it with me, but I think it's in the closet. (laughs) I'm walking around and it's actually on my back. And so I'm pissed off all day or I'm on the verge of tears all day. It's not that we're actually addressing it, but we're addressing it in the best environment to address it. Yeah. So
0: can you say more about that, Melissa? Because I do think that that does happen sometimes, right? That you think that you have kind of either stuffed it away or you think that you are compartmentalizing it, but it's actually kind of leaking out. And typically other people can see this more and clearer than you can.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, we all have triggers and we all have things that we're reactive to. And one of the questions I get, you know, very often is, well, how do I know I've healed? How do I know that my work is done? Like, when is this going to be over? And what I tell people is, you know, there is always going to be more work to do where we're all, you know, growing consistently and, and trying to figure out this thing called life. But if you find yourself in positions where you are having emotionally reactive experiences, meaning someone says something to you and you instantly get angry or someone does something to you and you instantly have a response and you don't even really know where that response is coming from or you're so used to simply responding to situations, you don't even have the capacity to think about what you're responding to that is a good indicator that you still have some healing to do. You got so, it. You know, when people say, well, you know, I don't even know this is just something that 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 bothers me, that's something that you need to unpack because that that typically means that it's a loaded situation. It's something from your past and you really don't even know how it's still impacting your life today.
0: Yeah. And do you think there's any way to like besides kind of just being very aware and like paying attention to like how you're reacting and what kinds of thoughts you're having? Do you think there's a way to like really examine what those things are for you, like what those triggers are for you or whether there are some things that you're kind of carrying around that you don't know you're having emotional reactions to?
1: Well, I mean, you know, obviously, I'm a huge mindfulness fan. So Mm -hmm. I do think that, you know, mindfulness and paying attention to yourself is the number one way. But I also think paying attention to people's reactions to you is another way. Um, You know, we don't always have the opportunity to see ourselves. We don't give ourselves the opportunity. So uh, unless you are a super mindful or insightful person, or you journal and you can go back and read your journal, you know, like, would you have clues? But most of us, it's about the types of relationships that we have with people. If you find that you're receiving feedback from people that's consistent and you really don't know what people are talking about, that's often a clue that there's some work that you need to do. Or if your relationships or the situations in life that you're looking for really aren't panning out in the same ways that you envision your life panning out, that's also often a clue that you have some more work to do. We find ourselves in the same patterns over and over and over again when we have life lessons to learn that we you know, haven't really mastered and so if you're engaged in patterns whether it's the people or the things or the outcomes then it's a good sign for you to take a step back and to pay attention to what's happening around you mm-hmm. yeah what is the saying like wherever you go there you are, you are like yeah. That? <laughs> right so I mean so we're huh no I was gonna say people always say well well you know what I'm just gonna move don't mm-hmm. you know? we because mm-hmm. you can't really go <laughs> I don't know you want. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna be there no matter where you are. so I'm not quite sure where you're going. You know? right,
0: right. Yeah. I mean, there is a the whole tendency like, okay, this situation is not working out for me, so maybe I need a new job or maybe I need a new partner or maybe I need to move to a new city. But really, if the issue is something that's going on with you that you have not resolved and worked through, you're going to bring that to the new job, the new relationship, the new city.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you'll find yourself having the same sort of reaction to things all the time. Well, like, why are people so screwed up? Or like, all employers suck. And it's like, mm, no, like you, like you've been the consistent with like every job, every relationship, every landlord. I mean, absolutely. You take you wherever you are. And you have to you know, give yourself the opportunity to understand sometimes you are wrong, right? Like you're not the person always in the right or like someone is always doing something something to you, you have a role to play in whatever is happening in your life.
0: You know, I think that that could be interesting to kind of unpack also, Melissa, kind of given, especially, you know, for Black women, given the sexist and racist and, you know, all of the other is environments that we find ourselves in. I think that sometimes it can be hard to tell, like, what is my own stuff versus what is the environment stuff. Yeah. Um, is there a way that you can, you know, or that maybe you help your clients try to figure out, like, what is yours and what is somebody else's?
1: Oh, That's a, that's such a deep question. (laughs) Oh, girl. So so I do think that whenever I find myself talking about social constructs in session, because I think, you know, how we show up as, especially Black women, I think, in the workplace is often like a double-edged sword because we don't want to fall into the trope of being an angry Black woman. And we don't want to fall into this place of not feeling like we're, you know, being authentic. And if we can't express ourselves, because then that creates its, its own challenges in and of itself. I am more inclined to have conversations with clients about how they feel as individuals, And what do they see playing out in work environments or in environments that may be prone to a social construct that are similar to patterns that may play out in other environments in their life? And then what does that mean to you? Because if you receive the same messaging at work as you receive at church or, you know, from your partner, maybe that has to do with how society views women. But, you know, maybe that has to do with how you show up as an individual. And, you know, are you showing up as an individual the way that you want to show up as an individual versus how you want other people to see you? And so what does that mean to you ultimately, who you are as a person? And then how is that playing out? in the environments that you're in. The other piece too is, are you getting the results that you want? Because while there is some truth to sexism and and racism, we still have to function in environments that are not necessarily always welcoming of us. And so paying attention to if the results that we're receiving are the results that we want and, you know, are there ways to still be authentic and to receive the results that we're looking for is often a conversation that I have with my clients as well.
0: Yeah, and I do think it's important to also think about like how you may have changed your behavior to, you know, maybe show up in an environment that wasn't very welcoming, but it's not actually something that you want to continue. Mm -hmm. You know, so like maybe you have gotten really hardened or you have, you know, used anger or something as a way because you felt like you needed to in those moments, but maybe that type of behavior is no longer serving you. So is that something that you can take off at some point and say, okay, I don't have to be this person anymore?
1: Right, right. Because ultimately we are a sum total Of our experiences. But if you pay attention to your experiences and your behaviors enough to know that, yes, I might be more inclined to respond this way because of things I've been through, you can choose to do something different. Right, You can make a choice to do something different. And I think that that is not something that's ingrained enough in us. You know, like we're often sort of told, well, I am who I am and you either like me or you don't like me or you love me or you don't love me and just, you know, take me as I am. And while some of that is true, you know, people really don't have to take you as you are. Mm -hmm. But People can make the choice to, you know, not take you at all and just put you back. Right. So you have to know if that's okay with you. You know, if you need to function differently to be able to have the life that you want to have, not the life that was given to you because of the experiences that you've had. Very good point. So what is our tea, Melissa? So our is time. Mm. Time. Healing is not something that is going to happen overnight. You know, once again, as I said earlier, there's always this magic question, you know, that I you know, hear so many clients ask when they begin services is, so tell me how many sessions you know, will it take for me to feel better? And so do I have to come here, you know, twice a week for six months? And I'm like, ah, it doesn't work that way. You know, (laughs) like this is the kind of work that I do. And, you know, there are absolutely some great, you know, brief therapeutic treatments and some like manualized treatments that might take you up through certain steps in a certain period of time. But then even with those modalities, they can't really tell you exactly how you're going to feel and by when right? We can talk about learning certain skills. We can talk about practicing certain things. We may even be in a place where we're developing your plan. But to really get to this point where you are engaged in your healing and you're noticing that your responses to your experiences are different, it takes time and it's different for every single person. I think the more that you can be comfortable or to, you know, learn to be comfortable with the process, then I think that it, you know, gives you the opportunity to, you know, take your time, you know, give yourself some grace, be gentle with yourself, but to also do better for yourself the next time, to not engage in the same patterns the next time. The more we try to rush the process or we try to, you know, stuff our feelings away or we try to, you know, time ourselves with the process, the more inclined you are to engage in the same patterns of behavior that will cause you to, you know, make the same mistakes or to have the same results that are creating this very pain that you're trying to get away from. So you'll find yourself in the same situation again. So, you know, definitely give yourself some time to heal.
0: Yeah, I really like the way that you put that, Melissa, in terms of giving yourself grace, giving yourself time, but also holding yourself accountable for maybe doing better the next time. Uh, Because I think when you go too far on either of those extremes, right, then you are not getting closer to the results that you say you wanted, whether you are too lenient with yourself or too critical of yourself, then for both of those things, you're moving further away from your results.
1: Right. Accountability is critical because we're often so used to what we do and we do what we do and we know how to do what we do well that, you know, either we are overly critical, as you stated, you know, or we can be so lenient with ourselves because it's that place that we feel most comfortable because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to feel, you know, that we're you know, not understanding our own path in this moment. And so what that does is it, you know, allows us to kind of go back to what we used to do. And yeah, so we have to hold ourselves accountable for doing something different and for doing the work, right? For, you know, for being mindful about our reactions, engaging in our plan and for doing the things that we know we need to do to move forward in our healing.
0: So this is incredible information, Melissa, but I'm also thinking of like, what's the line? So I do think it's really important to like make a plan, like you said. And, you know, we still have to show up for life even though it's difficult. But I do think, of course, that there are times where like, you just cannot even get to that place, right? Like, so you may need to consider like a leave of absence from work or you need to consider taking a semester off. Can you talk about where that line would be? Like, how do you know when to make this plan for yourself and when you maybe do need to take a break?
1: So I think we should all have a plan consistently about what we need, you know, when we Uh, know that we respond a certain way to difficult times like for instance I recently went through a lot of life transitions it felt like all at the same time basically as I worked through my own um, processes with these transitions I had a particular day where I was instantly triggered by something I mean literally I had a moment I saw someone and I was angry I was angry But because I have a good friend, I know that this is someone I can talk to when I need support. I know exactly who to call. I knew exactly what to say. I knew how she was going to respond. And within minutes, it assisted me in resolving a moment that in the past for me, like really would have sent me on a spiral throughout the course of my whole day. Right. So I think that we all should have a a plan. We should all know basic things about ourselves and support systems that we need to be able to make it through. You know, like there are times when you need to disconnect and there are times when you need to take time for yourself so that you can really, really focus on your healing. And the thing about that is functioning. If you absolutely cannot function like your mood is so low that you're not able to get up out of bed. You're not able to take care of the basic necessities that you need and you can't even really put one foot in front of the other. Then you might need to take a leave of absence. You might need to call in sick on a particular day. You might need to, you know, take some time to regroup. And that is also okay. That is also something that can be a part of a plan for you. Because if you don't have enough savings, if you don't have any sick time, if you don't have a job that allows you to take any kind of medical leave, then like that can create some barriers for you. So if you like know yourself well enough that you know that you have these moments in life where you need to sort of take a step back, then you can always Put the proper measures in place to be able to do what you need to do to keep yourself safe. Got you. I do think that that is
0: an important line. And, you know, like you said, an important distinction to know, Okay, when do I need to keep, you know, working the plan or do I need to take a step back so that I can get to a place where I'm more functional?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I mean, everything really works together in tandem, too. I, I think we tend to think about things from a perspective of like all or nothing. But, you know, maybe taking a step back is your safe space. Right. You know, maybe that is your compartmentalization for like this moment in time and like not being afraid to check in with yourself consistently through your process. I think that's a part of the time piece too, because, you know, once again, like healing isn't linear, right? So you might have a good day today and then you might have a day tomorrow that, you know, really sets you to a place where you need to take a step back for today, but then yesterday you were able to fully engage. So being able to like jump in and out of the process as you need is a part of, you know, one, understanding yourself and also giving yourself time.
0: Love it. So, Melissa, are there any additional resources that you would have particular to this beyond the ones that you shared um, in the last episode?
1: Yes. So, Brene Brown has an amazing book that's called Rising Strong. Um, And, you know, in that book, she talks tangibly about a lot of different depths and this, you know, process of, you know, how to heal. And to reconcile with, you know, different um, pain points or experiences in your life and to understand yourself better through the healing process. So I think that that is an amazing book that I do recommend to people as well. Got you.
0: And remind us where we can find you online, Melissa, your website, as well as your social media handles.
1: So my website is Melissa Eiffel, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-I, F is in Frank, I-L-L dot com. And my Instagram, which is where I typically am, is Melissa Eiffel, L-C-S-W.
0: Perfect. Of course, all of that will be in the show notes for people to find it. Well, thank you for joining us again, Melissa. I really appreciate you coming back to chat with us.
1: Same here, same here. Thank you so much for having me. And I always love talking to you.
0: Thank you. I'm so thankful Melissa was able to come back and share her expertise with us today. To find out more information about her practice or to check out the resources that she shared, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 98. And don't forget to show some support for our sponsor for this episode, Naturalicious. It's the world's first vegan high-performance hair care line that delivers the results of 12 products in only three. You can find the products in over 1,200 Sally stores nationwide or online at SaveTimeOnWashDay.com. Remember that if you're searching for a therapist in your area, check out our directory at TherapyForBlackGirls.com directory. And make sure to visit our online store at therapyforblackgirls.com slash shop where you can find our guided affirmation track, breakup journal, and your Therapy for Black Girls sweatshirts and t-shirts. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.